Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Charlie Wall, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you, Alexandra. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to meet you and to have you on the show. So why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you came across the three principles? Um, well, it's quite a lengthy story, so um, I'll try and keep it brief so it doesn't become a very um, boring monologue. But my father had just died in 2016. and I'd been looking after him for some 20 odd years by that point. And so it was a pretty significant loss. And what I decided to do was I I had my own business. I was running a very successful fitness business in Cambridge where I'd been looking after him. My son was 16 at the time. And I just got really stuck in this grief um that I was in because it was it wasn't just about my dad my brother and he had been in the same accident in 1993 and that had killed my brother Mm. and then I'd subsequently looked after my father so when he died it was like a big explosion for me in my life so I decided to sell everything my house and my business and at that point I was looking to become a life coach I'd been doing a nutritional therapist qualification uh, alongside running a business But I just thought, no, I want to, I I have got so many skills, I wanted to put them all under one umbrella as a life coach. So I was looking for courses and I came across um, a course called Clarity Coaching. And I was sort of being interviewed by lots of different coaching companies. And I thought, I spoke to the person that was doing Clarity Coaching, had no idea about the principles at all. And I spoke to this person and I thought, right, if I see a squirrel, I'm going to take that one. Like this is how my mind was kind of um, working at that point. And so I walked into town, but like not via any parks or anything. And I walked into the shopping centre in Cambridge and there was this massive squirrel, (laughs) a cardboard one. (laughs) I was like, oh, right, okay, I'll do that course then. And it just so happened to be um, a three principles coach training course. And I literally the first I was so anxious back then that when I started it in September 2017 I couldn't even have my video on zoom I was just sort of on zoom but like a you know a little black square 
and they were all so happy. And I was like, <laughs> what, what is this? And I couldn't understand what they were talking about. And anyway, that, that was kind of my initial, how I got into the principles. And then uh, I started working with Jamie Smart one-to-one and then I was a mentor in the second year of Clarity Coach training and then I had some significant life-changing insights which then kind of propelled my journey into uncovering our innate wellness and seeing it like really truly deeply for myself so that's kind of it in a nutshell (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more detail in there. I I have a million questions. One of the things you said, say on your website is that when you sold everything, you went traveling for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm just curious about what that looked like. Well, it didn't look like traveling um, like people do, you know, when they go all over the place. I went to India for five weeks to study to become a yoga teacher so I literally I sold my house sold my business and then I was on a flight on the next day to India still with chronic PTSD so back then at that point I was still suffering with very very bad PTSD Mm. chronic anxiety and so if you've got chronic anxiety and PTSD don't go to India (laughs) (laughs) It's like the worst place you could go to, like noisy and full of people. And anyway, so I went to India for five weeks and then I came back and I then went to Corfu for three weeks because my son was over there. So I was kind of exploring Corfu for a bit. And then I went to a place in Spain in Fasinas in Andalusia and I was rewilding for a week and I was just... I was with a guide. I do. I run my retreats with him now, actually, in Spain. But I went there and we were rewilding and he was teaching me about the land and the animals. And it was like a silent but utterly beautiful, profound experience for me in my life at that point. Again, I'm still sort of chronically anxious. But there was something that sort of stripped everything back about that week. And then I went to Crete for three weeks now that's not really traveling for me because I have a villa over there but I did explore different parts of Crete but I was just on my own I was just on my own for apart from being in India I was just literally on my own so it wasn't really traveling but it was more like I was I needed a rest I needed a deep rest from the trauma of the past kind of from the age of 21 to 44 it was very traumatic there was a lot going on I was running a business looking after my son looking after my dad and I just I just needed some time but I didn't really know that that's what I wanted so it was after that that I joined the clarity coach training so traveling sounds very you know, exotic and like I'm moving about. I didn't really move about. I stayed still, but in, apart from the yoga, which obviously I didn't stay still at all, but Corfu, Spain and Crete, I did. I was still and I was on my own and I I just couldn't at that point really even think about talking to anyone. It was, it was quite extraordinary. And then 
I came back and just happened to land in a place in England called Norfolk. Um, an ex-client said she had a house that I could rent, which was like another kind of weird synchronous synchronicity. Um, and I isolated myself in Norfolk for a good few months before I started to come out of this dark night of the soul. So, mm. yeah. I wouldn't I don't know if I call it traveling and maybe I need to change that on my website but I think it was just I couldn't be at home and I didn't have a home anymore and I didn't know what where to go or what to do. Mhm. Yeah, wow. And and so you mentioned both anxiety and PTSD there. So when did you begin to see those things as something different than you had seen them previously? So I started the training into 17 September and it wasn't until February of 2019 that I had my first insight around anxiety. I was walking my dog and I, I'd been, you know, as I said, I'd been working one-to-one with Jamie and I'd been doing the coach training and it all seemed, and I was really like studying it, like making notes and studying it and trying to understand it. And all of a sudden I, I was walking along and this, I just got this new thought. It's very difficult to articulate, isn't it? When you have an insight to someone else, but I literally got this new thought and the new thought said, oh, you've been doing all of those things because you didn't know you were safe. And what I mean by all those things for me was like I used to have to cut all the labels out of clothes. I used to have to feed my son at the same time every day, drink out of the same cup, have the same cutlery. I mean, that's just a very, very small example. Pick, You know, I picked my face, my hair was falling out, I bit my nails, I was doing all sorts of kind of compensatory behaviors. So that was the thought of like, oh, <laughs> you've been doing all these things so you didn't know you were safe. And in that moment, I suddenly saw all along I'd been okay, all along I'd been safe. And actually those behaviors and thoughts that I believed were actually making the anxiety worse because if I didn't have my cup, I was like, oh, if I didn't have my 1 p.m. sleep, I was you know, so it was very interesting. And then literally about a month later, I was driving to see a friend in a motorbike um, past me. Now, for, for all of those years, from my being 21 to that point, every time I saw a motorbike, I'd gone into this flashback. Mm. And the flashback was around all of the stuff around my, you know, the night of the accident and then subsequent kind of events that happened afterwards. So every time I drove a car and I saw a bike, this would happen. So you can imagine how actually dangerous that is because you understand thought, right? You're literally in a movie, aren't you? Mm -hmm. So this motorbike went past and this automatic response started and I suddenly, again, this new thought popped in. It was like, you don't have to follow that thought. And that was that. Mm -hmm. It literally changed it. And then there was another experience, if you don't mind me telling this story. Do you mind me telling this story? Not at all. Please do. My son was still living here and I... He just got his first car, right? So now we're in 2020s lockdown time. And he'd got his first car, he was 17. Uh, no, sorry, he was 20, but he'd got his first car. 
And he went out for the first time in his car and I started to think, oh my God, he's going to have a crash. He's going to, you know, what if he doesn't get back in time? And I started to clock watch and I started to feel this anxiety. And then just before the time he was due home, I felt myself go into this movie, right? And then he walked through the door and I was able to snap out of it. And then I realized again, flashbacks the same as a flash forward. That's all the same it's a movie it's thought that we get caught up in that we then experience in our body as real and again you know there's been so many kind of um insights but the the ptsd and the anxiety were the two they had the biggest impact on my experience of life for sure mm-hmm. wow and i sense that from what you've described, like taking yoga teacher training and being interested in life coaching before you knew about the principles that you've always been interested in wellness, you know, health and wellness and those sorts of things. Is that true? It is true, but I'll caveat that by saying, um, I didn't always, what what did it like? I now walk the walk and talk the talk, but I used to talk the talk and not walk the walk. So okay. I was an I was an addiction specialist after the accident. Before prior to that, I was doing teacher training and as in children, and then I and then all that happened, and I went into psychiatric nursing. And then I specialised and became an addiction specialist, and then um, I got into fitness um, and started a, a fitness business that then that then exploded. But all the while. I was drinking, smoking, I had a very bad relationship with food. Um, I was binge eating, I was starving, I was over-exercising sometimes four or five hours a day and still running this business which was growing and growing and growing. So yes, I had a really strong interest in being different, like I wanted to be different. Prior to that, as an addiction specialist, my name's Charlotte, my, my real name's Charlotte, and I was like, right, I'm going to be different. I'm going to do this fitness training and I'm going to like, I, 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 at that point I, I had had a breakdown, but it, it doesn't really matter because I was just thinking I was broken. So if I change my name, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So then I created this sort of double personality where I was this successful business owner, well-known in my town, fitness business owner teaching fitness to hundreds of women every day and behind the scenes Charlotte and that was Charlie and Charlotte Mm. behind the scenes was not taking care of herself in any way shape Mm. or form so there's this really interesting sort of dichotomy in my life um as an addiction specialist I was drinking heavily so there was there was this sort of I was a workaholic. The accident changed me. My brother's death changed me. And it and it and the way that I compensated for my grief was to overwork, drink heavily, um, smoke, be a drama queen, but be very successful. So, you know, like behind the seat, like in in in, in front house, I was um you wouldn't have known there was anything wrong with me. And it's only now when I talk about it, because I'm 51, you can see it on my face that, that you know, that I've smoked, that I've 
mm. that I haven't taken care of myself. Mm. So it was really interesting to, you know, the principles kind of opened it up for me anyway to be able to understand the depths of my wisdom. It was all wisdom that I just didn't think I could cope unless I had these things in place, but they were keeping me in a state of anxiety. But anyway, now I'm very, very honest about all of it. I don't have anything to hide anymore. Charlotte is Charlie. We're the same. It's brought me here to this point in my life. And I I feel very blessed that I'm not dead, basically, because there could have been many times where I would have, you know, put my, I've put myself in very risky situations over the years. And... I feel like, you know, everyone has a bit of a nightmare, don't they, when they get to 50? And I was like, I made it. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> so, yes, it's, I've lived a lot of lives in my 51 years. And, but so to, to, uh, to speak to your original question, yes, I've always had a real interest in I've studied it. I've learned it. I'm qualified in so many things I can't even mention because that was another addiction. But now I really do live by that and my body is thankful for it because <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm post-menopause now. So I'm like, you know, a lot of women I meet now are, are my age or older and are post-menopausal and are really, really struggling because stress has a huge impact on um your body now I feel again so blessed because I haven't taken care of my body and didn't for many years and and I think that the impact of no stress or very little stress in my life has had a profound effect on my body mm. so I'm very lucky mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so I'd like to go a little deeper then into those unwanted habits that you had if you'll Ooh, indulge me you got all day <laughs> So we talk about unwanted habits a lot on this show. And in my work, that's what I tend to focus on. So this is kind of a vague question, but what can you see now about over drinking, over eating, maybe over smoking um, that you couldn't see at the time? That it was a solution. Yes, that yeah. it um, that that it was quieting quietening me down in some way that w- w- that served me. Smoking for sure, you're breathing mm. in, and then you have a longer exhale. So there's a calming of the parasympathetic nervous system. The drinking, I was always drinking because I couldn't handle my grief. I couldn't handle the trauma of what I was having to deal with with my dad for so many years so the drinking I was drinking to black out often and and so I slept you know so there's even wisdom in that because um it was a solution to a lot of heavy grief and trauma that I didn't know I had I didn't know how to process I didn't even know I was anxious all I knew is that I'd been diagnosed with PTSD no one said these symptoms were anxiety Mm -hmm. I even see the suicidal ideation which I suffered a lot with as a solution it was just a solution that my brain was coming up with and of course over the years you build up this kind of neurological 
patterning, which is then the thought comes in, oh, I'm going to do it. I don't even think about it. And then you go into the judgment. So then you're in this sort of familiar, repetitive cycle of self-loathing and doing the behavior and self-loathing, not understanding neuroscience, not understanding thought, not understanding the nervous system and trauma and the shutdown and freeze state that I was sort of perpetually in. So I just see that it was a solution to things I didn't understand very well. And I had my main habit was probably being horrible to myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can really relate to that and to the, the dawning realization that these things are solutions that that we're doing the very best we can in the moment with the thinking that we have and that i you know i there really is no such thing as self sabotage is what i want to say too we're always trying to help ourselves yeah yeah that's such an yeah no i say point. exactly the same thing it's not self sabotage it's a solution and if you mm-hmm. can turn it around and see the gifts in it and that your body is taking care of you and these things are rooted in strength not weakness because the hardest thing for people is that they beat themselves up and they feel shame and shame is it becomes secretive and it becomes like a knife in your heart mm-hmm. so and you're going to do it anyway mm-hmm. so yeah it 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 was always something that was protecting me from my own pain. But it always comes out in the end. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And is there anything else that you, that you see about what we would call addictions um, now that you didn't see in the past? Um, I think I've, because I've studied and worked in addictions for so, you know, be 30 years now. I never sort of bought into the whole, uh, you're born with it. I never bought into it's a disease. So I'm not sure. I think the only thing I do see differently is that people are stuck in freeze response and will do what they can to get out of it. So there's wisdom in it and that it's 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 been a solution to um, years of of either trauma or, you know, just grief or pain in some form but which is of course individual and subjective to the human experiencing it but that you know these things are not to be punished and connection is key um so I I was always very I always had that way of thinking anyway and it's actually one of the reasons why I left one of the many reasons why I left the NHS was because I just didn't believe in the medical model anymore. I didn't believe in these things being medicated pharmaceutically. I'm, I wanted to go out there and explore, you know, different ways of being with the client who who often were seen as below, you know, the doctor or the nurse or whatever. There was huge um, stereotyping and all that stuff. So I've kind of been 
blazing my own tra- trail for the last 20 years in my own business and doing this work privately. Um, but the principles kind of gave me a deeper understanding of the nature of that solution, you know, that, mm-hmm. that all of them are just looking for peace of mind mm-hmm. and they don't realize that it's within them because we live in a conditioned world that says something outside of you can make you feel better. Mm-hmm. So where I might have gone into with clients, you know, the pain or, you know, cause I've, I've done all of it, psychotherapy, CBT, all the things I've trained in all the things. And now what I see about that is like, I was re-traumatizing myself when I was being therapized and I was re-traumatizing others. So that there's, that's different, but I think I've always known on some level that it was not for me. I was my biggest critic, but for everyone else, I could see that it was a solution, but for me, I couldn't, I was being too judgmental on myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting what you say about re-traumatizing. So by going into the past, that's what you mean that, 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 yeah. yeah. Because I don't know how many, you know, therapists I had over the years, many, um, one of whom said I was F-U-C-K-E-D mm. and, um, you know, wanted me to go into the relive it and of course every time I'd come out of that session I would be utterly exhausted and bereft and I'd go and smoke and drink mm-hmm. so, <laughs> <laughs> um and of course I was doing that innocently to the, the the people that were in my care with the NHS and then you know as a private counsellor but with the three principles I can see that that is literally bringing it up in the moment again and asking someone to relive it in the present moment, which that's not helpful. It's just not helpful to anyone. Um, I can't remember what you asked now. (laughs) We were just touching on re-traumatizing and going into the past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for people to make a connection between their nervous system responses as children and then their behaviours that come up, whatever the behaviour is. It doesn't matter to me the thing, and I've done basically all of them um, because that's not what it is. It's about people going into chronic state of activation you know, nervous state and then story gets created. So if we think about the principles as like, you know, we're feeling our thinking with well, the nervous system was built in utero. So actually sometimes that response could have been from when we were in our mum's womb, mm. which means that, you know, the thoughts aren't necessarily conscious thoughts. So sometimes we have to kind of root around and help people join the dots, but not in a re-traumatizing way, in a way that has them understand their nervous system, how it can get activated and how they've innocently been trying to get them out of, you know, get themselves out of that. Then they have all this judgment and conditioning and who am I in the world? And, you know, so it's, it's complex, isn't it? But um, I do it in a very gentle, careful um way that has the person not get re-traumatized because that is like oh who I wouldn't want to do that to anyone anymore Mm -hmm. 
You've mentioned the the freeze state a couple of times, and um, I'm I'm guessing that has to do with the the nervous system as well. Yeah. And yeah, and tell so tell us a little bit more about that and about if someone is in that state um, coming out of it. Well, the freeze state, so if you think about the nervous system as being part of your autonomic nervous system, so everything's, you know, all the things that are going on in your body, uh, which your body's very wise and very brilliant. And, you know, if if anyone needs to look at their health, they only have to go and go inside and like my my food is being digested and, you know, my heart is beating and there's blood going around in my veins. But the autonomic nervous system is, you'll have heard of like the, maybe, have you heard of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic? Yeah, probably a million years ago in like grade nine. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, it's kind of moved on from when we learned about it in biology. And they're, they're talking about like this, there's three states. There's a social nervous system. Mm. So like that's you and I connecting now, giving each other eye contact you know, facial expressions, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's the commonly known fight or flight, Mm -hmm. which we're going then into the um, sympathetic um, nervous system. And then the third one is um, freeze, shut down. So it's like, you know, a deer caught in headlights, for example, and and they just freeze. So these are kind of evolutionary survival responses for every human. And... So it's really hot here and I'm sweating and probably look a bit grim, but hopefully look welcome me anyway. <laughs> um, um, so if say when you're a baby or you're, you know, very small and the social nervous system, you're not getting attuned to, you're not getting your needs met. As a child, you'll go, you'll go down to the next one, which is fight and flight. Now, if that doesn't work, most ch- children or small children can't fight and they can't run away. Mm-hmm. So then their system, if they're in a space that they perceive to be unsafe in some way, they will shut down. Now, over many years, if you've been in shutdown and then in flight or fright and then shut down, you're going to be in this state of constant either anxiety or confusion, disorientation, apathy, um, tiredness. And when people don't understand that, they think there's something wrong with them. And so then they drink and then they smoke and then they take drugs and then they might gambling to feel something to get them out of the out of the shutdown and the freeze and if people could just understand that that even that because what we point to in the principles right is it's universal like Mm -hmm. what's doing the heavy lifting thoughts mind consciousness the body is also universal and very wise and the body holds the score literally so something that happened to me at four is still being held in my body now if I haven't completed that stress cycle like animals shake it out Mm -hmm. it's stay it's stuck it's stuck in my body and people don't know that and they go from freeze to flight or fright to freeze and so I can tell in people's language where they are in their nervous system if people come to me with anxiety it's because they've been in chronic activation for many 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 years they've become hypervigilant you know there's all of those things that happen to you so if you think about you know me and you are here and and, and there's a 
lion coming for us. We are going to be hypervigilant and we're going to try and run away. So then people turn it inwards because if I need to know where my body is in space and time to be running away and that's not actually happening, it's coming from my thinking, I'm going to go inwards and think my body's shit. What am Mm. I going to do about my body? I hate my body. So there's loads of signs that I can see that someone's been in chronic activation. Mm. Um, But I talk about obviously the principles and I I go a layer deeper with the body with people just to give them an understanding of that universality as well, because these nervous systems are 500 million years old, like they all work the same. But with that, when we lack understanding of our brilliance, we think there's something wrong with us and there just isn't. Mm-hmm just a misunderstanding of a body and a and a mind which are just working beautifully mm-hmm. yeah wow i love that and yeah that so much i keep with my guests we circle around to the wisdom of the body you know um tanya alfersi works with people with menopause and i had i know tanya yeah, yeah. and i had stephanie a wood on recently and she was doing kind of a nervous system reset uh program after the the trauma of the pandemic that we've all been through so yeah i love hearing that that's great um we're just about running out of time so i wanted to touch on your podcast and your what you offer to people. So can you tell us a little bit about that? My podcast is called Courage Dear Heart. And um, I have guests on there, like I've had Tanya on and Mm -hmm. Michael Neal and and different people. And sometimes I'll do solo episodes. But it started when I first kind of started this life coaching business and I just, the name came to me and um, because I really believe most people don't know how much courage they've got. Mm -hmm. And there's so many wonderful people out there with courageous stories and they will kind of, you know, shut it down or poo poo it away. Um, but I just, you know, that's what I kind of work with people on is is their courage, their heart, their brilliance, their uniqueness. Um, I have a Facebook group as well, like a ladies only Facebook group, although I do work with some men, but my, my work would appear femme centric. You know, my website's very female driven and. But yeah, I have a wonderful free community on Facebook where I do lives like this. And I sometimes I do my podcast live in that group. And then I have a membership circle membership that's, again, female only. And um, we do lots of different things in there. And because of my experience, you know, there's yoga videos in there, there's fitness videos in there, there's recipes, there's hormonal health. And then I'll do group coaching and a theme of the month. So that's kind of how I work with people spreading myself as as much as I can to share this message as many places as I can. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about your podcast is that sometimes you'll broadcast uh, a coach, a live coaching session and recorded, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, they're live in my free group. Right. All of my stuff is usually live in my free group. And then I, 
either upload it. Yeah, I usually upload it. And so I'll ask the ladies in the group, anyone up for free coaching, if you don't mind it being filmed <laughs> live. Yes. They are yeah. brilliant. I, they're my favourite thing to do, actually, mm. because people can people in my in my experience on those live coaching people generally hear something and I don't know if it's because it's live that they're a bit more quiet within or I don't know what it is but they really do hear something and it and and then it gives people an opportunity to kind of relate and then other people hear things and yeah Thank you. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you for mentioning that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really powerful, I find. And there's something about, of course, being coached that is so powerful. But I totally agree that even hearing somebody else be coached, it puts me anyway in a really nice space of, you know, openness to insight. Yeah, I just I love those ones. They're great. Thank you. And I do, I love the group coaching as well for that very reason. Mm-hmm. And my circle group has its own like secret circle podcast. And I get that feedback a lot as well from them that, you know, they heard something in so-and-so being coached. And that's the wonderful thing about hearing other people being coached because you're out of your own story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Absolutely. So where where can we find all this uh, juicy stuff? Well, I have a website. I am Charlie Wall. And then on Facebook, I'm Charlie Wall and it's Charlie with an I. Um, and so on my website, you'll find my group. You know, there's links to my free group. There's links to my YouTube, my podcast, um, my retreats. So it's kind of all on my website. But if you want to add me on Facebook, it's Charlie Wall and I'm really public. You know, I'm, I have a public profile, so you can pretty much see everything and find my groups from there as well. Great. OK, well, I will, as ever, put links in the show notes so people can find that. Thank you so much for being with me here today, Charlie. I really appreciate it. It's been really, really lovely, Alexandra. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time.